welcome to Cloud Wars Live, where our tradition has been to discuss the digital revolution taking place in the world today. But more recently, like everybody, we've been focusing on, in some ways, the work from home revolution, the COVID-19 impact, and what's going on there. Our guest today on Cloud Wars Live is Peter Stubbe, who's here for the second time as one of our monthly guests. The category is Stubbe on spending. Uh, Peter has worked for a market research company, ETR, for a number of years, and ETR helps track spending among enterprises and how they're purchasing information technology. Peter, thanks for being back with us. Great to see you. It's great to see you too, Bob. Uh, thanks for having me again. Uh, very excited to share some of the hard work that my company has been doing around uh, COVID. And, you know, we continue to do, and as you mentioned, tracking enterprise spending uh, via large scale surveys, as well as the interviews that we conduct. Uh, it's very convenient timing for us to be talking. We just wrapped up a survey of approximately 1300 CIOs and IT decision makers uh, that was conveniently uh, conducted around the time of COVID's outbreak. So, uh, our methodology is to go out to our community of CIOs in April uh, or early April for that matter um, and ask them to update the spending intentions that they submitted to us in January. So if you think about that methodology and how that coincides with COVID's uh, landing globally and, and precipitation around the world, uh, I think it's definitely bringing forward some interesting, at least initial thoughts on what's happening in the enterprise landscape. And Peter, before we get started, that's, that sounds like a great plan. We're looking forward to it very much and some of the insights you, you'll share from ETR's uh, terrific and ongoing work. I, I do have to ask here, we're all, uh, everybody's getting accustomed to the work from home thing and Zoom and what's going on here. There's something about your backdrop there that just looks a little <laughs> familiar. What, what Can you tell us anything about that? Yeah, sure. So uh, I am a big Seinfeld fan, and uh, this is my homage to Jerry and, and Larry and all, and all the hard work that they put in for years and how they're helping make me laugh uh, still every night now through the reruns. So I uh, live in a smaller apartment myself, so this is uh, my, again, my, my honor to them and, and thanks to them and the other comedians around the globe who are maybe helping us uh, smile a little bit during these uh, difficult times where we might be going a little bit stir crazy in our, in our small apartments, at least those of us in the New York City area. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Peter. Thanks for that background. And it's true. I, I, I look forward to some of your, your comments here today about what you're seeing. You mentioned about the laughter that Jerry Seinfeld and some others can offer. I don't think that there's going to be a lot of uh, laughing material from some of the publicly traded companies as earnings start to come out. Um, Peter, just again, for the uh, benefit of, the, of our viewers here, you will be able to share with us a couple things, right? Because you've got the data specific, some factual, uh, precise data that ETR does, but also you do some of your own one-on-one -on -one conversations with CIOs, right? So you'll be able to offer some right. subjective views. And Peter, do you want to start there and give us a little bit of a sense of what you've heard from some of these one-on-one -on -one conversations? Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we um, just kind of look at a higher level, you know, what's going on with COVID, I think we would be remiss not to at least uh, touch upon the, the, uh, the topic here today. Uh, of course, I don't want this to be a dismissal of what's going on in the world. And to your point, you know, I think that we're, we're facing some very serious challenges, um, you know, corporations in the future. 
Um, I'd love to share some of the more optimistic thoughts that I've heard from technologists, Great. as well as the positive results that we have from our survey. Um, I think that what you'll read about in other uh, industry publications and you know, what seems to be consensus now is that there is a little bit of a polarity happening in terms of people benefiting from COVID and people not benefiting from COVID, uh, especially in the enterprise space, uh, specifically on the positive side of things, software. Um, so in my conversations with technologists over the course of the past few weeks, um, in terms of general relationships with their technology partners, I've been very keen to ask the direct question, um, you know, is there anybody or any of your vendors or uh, people that you work with that might be tone deaf or opportunity driven based off this? Um, Outside of the few two-month promotions that we've heard about, um, I can, I'm thankfully uh, happy to report that that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, we're all in this together. I've heard stories of flexibility, uh, deferred payment plans, promotions that, it, that assist customers to migrate uh, to cloud solutions for no cost. Um, in that vein, what I will say is that this is definitely shining a light on uh, pricing preference uh, from our CIO community. Um, they are increasingly, increasingly being driven towards consumption-based models rather than license-based models. Um, I'll also point out that in terms of actual spending and purchasing changes, uh, what I've learned to be mostly constant from our community is that, you know, obviously there's a focus on business continuity and a shift to work from home infrastructure. But this crisis is serving as a real accelerant to a lot of the themes that were playing through prior to, it, to its existence. So what that means is optimization of the enterprise stack. Uh, I had a CIO share in a recent roundtable discussion that it still is about cost savings in the short term and cost, cost savings in the long term. Uh, also, uh, one of the more witty uh, quotes shared with me is that as a service saved my SAS over the course of the past <laughs> six months. So that was a pretty funny uh, comment. And, you know, everybody's aware of the concept that software uh, is eating the world. That's something that's well known within the enterprise community. But another guest pointed out astutely that this might be a catalyst for us to cross the chasm to where software is the world. Uh, so thinking about the impacts uh, around that, um, again, outside of the obvious bump to work from home infrastructure, when I talk to buyers, there's consistent feedback that there is an acceleration towards the cloud, acceleration towards digital transformation. I think that that has come across well known within, uh, you know, the media, but also a move away from traditional networking infrastructure, uh, MPLS and traditional network security towards SD-WAN, uh, CASB, as well as secure web gateways, again, in line with that move towards the cloud. And also, if you think about software being the world, as uh, I mentioned earlier, the developer tools that support uh, the proliferation of software development, as well as you know, uh, organizations being primarily software-based, those are gonna continue to benefit as well and will benefit uh, as a result of that. So again, certainly don't wanna be dismissive of the economic crisis that faces a lot of us uh, and the slowdown here, but you know, maybe just a little bit of my nature, I'm hoping to bring a little bit of optimism to uh, the technology community. And those are some of the positive points that have come out in my discussions as well as the surveys. Uh, as a Peter, 
Peter, thanks. I, I think that's very well balanced. You know, the reality there, it, it is a sobering time. But, uh, you know, in the background of this, there's there were a lot of companies that five weeks ago, six weeks ago, you know, we're going through some stupendous uh, levels of innovation, of growth, of doing some things that buyers had been asking for for years. And mm -hmm. certainly this is, a, this is a rough time that everybody's in. It's going to be rough for a while. But I think there's, there's a lot of reason for optimism. And thanks for sharing that. I wanted to mention, um, Peter, along with what you're saying, that sort of uh, hesitancy or a pullback from traditional licensing deals and a strong move toward the cloud. We certainly saw that in the preliminary numbers that SAP released, right, where mm -hmm. uh, they said that their business was good through January, through February, and the beginning of March, when word really started to come out, they said that was the beginning of a real drop-off for their licensing business, which ended the quarter down 31%, but their cloud business was up 29% for the quarter. So even with the difficult uh, revenue experience that a lot of tech vendors had in March, the 29% is not bad for the quarter, mm -hmm. absolutely plays into the trends, the larger trends that you've been seeing about uh, a lack of comfort these days or a lack of willingness to spend on licenses and a strong move toward the cloud. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I could just share very quickly um, at a high level, some of the aggregated survey response to we, that we have to SAP. Great. Um, if I'm going to share my screen here. What we have here is the aggregated survey response we have for SAP across all the products that we track. Um, we came into the year looking okay, uh, to your point, Bob, about, you know, things effectively stabilizing here. And what I've pulled up here is survey responses that uh, measure the full year ahead. So in January and April is when we conduct those surveys. And you'll see in January of 2020, things had effectively stabilized uh, in terms of our net spending intention score. Uh, on a year-over-year -year basis. So that was a definite positive for us uh, when we looked at SAP's entire product portfolio. Now, unfortunately, uh, as we went back out to our community and asked them to update their spending intentions uh, for the full year ahead in April, that spending intention score has come down again. Uh, I'll reiterate to uh, your community the way that we calculate that. It is the percentage of respondents that said they plan to adopt plus those that said they, they plan to increase spend, and then we uh, back out the negative spending intentions. So those that said they plan to decrease or replace represented by the red boxes down here. Um, now for their SaaS portfolio, uh, that was something that was a key driver of this stabilization in January and what was holding up the response for them. So if I were to just focus on spending intentions there, you'll see that there was an actual acceleration year over year. So back to my point of comparison of April 19 uh, full year intentions for 2019 versus the initial response for 2020, we definitely saw uh, what you were talking about in terms of some positivity in their, their SaaS portfolio. So I think now, unfortunately, you've seen a smaller downtick again as we went back to our community and, and asked them for their spending intentions for the rest of the year as, as updated. Uh, but it is still up slightly year over year. Um, I, I will say that, you know, it being flat, maybe not super inspiring for SAP. 
Um, but, and, you know, rather than the acceleration that we might hope to see year over year, given the backdrop of people moving towards the cloud and uh, the trends here, but um, well, I'll reiterate what I said earlier, cloud and SaaS saved many people during this crisis. It will emerge a permanent trend even afterwards and consumption-based products are winning out over licenses. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, maybe after this uh, quick jolt uh, downward in spending, if we continue to see that reversal in SAP's uh, cloud and SaaS products. Yeah, Peter, thanks for that look there. A um, couple things. One is, you know, we've seen uh, in so many places now businesses uh, more than ever before, even as much as over the last couple of years, businesses were trying to become data driven to become more f uh, fluent in how they use data, how they base decisions on it, how they become data-driven organizations. And then specifically now, uh, I think it was about a year ago when Salesforce bought Tableau, data mm -hmm. analytics company, and you said you've seen some interesting trends specifically around what Tableau and Salesforce are doing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's been one of the key things outside of COVID that we've tracked uh, within our surveys. And one of, uh, you know, definitely the unique points of ETR's data set, as well as our opportunity to speak with the CIOs and CISOs and CTOs that participate in our surveys, is that we are able to get a good understanding of whether or not these acquisitions, integrations, partnerships are gaining traction. Uh, over time, or if, or if maybe it's just a non-event. Uh, I think that with any acquisition, when you talk to technologists and IT buyers, they're always reticent or cautious of how things are matching together. Will there be a pricing change? Uh, are they going to take away features? Are they not going to be as innovative as they once were? Um, how will it be integrated into the acquiring company and their products? Um, how will my relationship change with either one of the vendors? Uh, and that's what we saw initially with Salesforce and Tableau. Uh, I think that out of the gate, our community was maybe just a little bit slow to embrace um, their acquisition and, and them working together. But what we have seen is a positive reversal. And I could share some of the data around that as well as the qualitative feedback. So I'm gonna share my screen again Okay, so again, very similar to the chart that we did with SAP. Again, this is a time series uh, analysis of the survey response to Tableau specifically. So over the course of 2018, just maybe as a uh, backdrop and, and fair comparison, you saw maybe a, a bit of range bound spending, but notice here around the, the announcement of the acquisition, you see this downtick of spending intentions. And what I've done is isolated only global 2000 respondents. So these are the larger enterprises of the world and that key install base for both uh, Salesforce and Tableau. So when you see this deceleration over here, um, to me that indicates that there was just maybe a little bit of pause about spending with Tableau as a result of their acquisition from Salesforce. Now, coming into January 2020, uh, maybe as things got refined and products started to uh, come out together uh, and, and be presented in a, in a, in a good way, um, we've seen a pretty massive uptick in the uh, positivity of spending intentions 
by the global 2000 CIOs that contributed to our survey. Of course, that's fallen off a little bit as we redid the survey in April for the full year spending intentions. I would imagine that that might just be a little bit uh, to be expected given the environment that we're going into and given where data analytics uh, tools fall into the priority of spend with our community. But it's still impressive that our net score here ranks higher uh, than it's pre you know, effectively its previous peak in January of 2019. Anecdotally, over time, people are warming up to the progress that Salesforce has made integrating uh, Tableau's visualizations. Um, starting out with uncertainty as far up to November, and that's seen in the uh, survey. Uh, just a quick quote, my pessimistic side with any M&A is what's going to get messed up, <laughs> I share with us. Now, folks seem to be singing a different tune, and they're taking a lot of that, uh, or crediting a lot of that into Einstein, uh, being a different level and well set with Tableau integrated into it. And while Salesforce for a long time has never been just a CRM platform, we recognize that, this even more so gives them the opportunity to expand their already huge install base, whether that be pervasion in existing customers, or go out to new enterprise types that might not have a deep need for sales related infrastructure. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's really giving them an opportunity to expand into a new addressable market. Um, I'll bring up another visualization here, which measures uh, all of the global 2000 respondents, again, focusing on those key accounts uh, that said that they're either going to adopt, increase, hold flat, uh, their spend on Salesforce or Salesforce Einstein. So matching the response that we have from our CIO interviews and seeing the shared propensity to spend with Tableau, again, being mostly range bound, uh, especially, uh, you know, effectively hitting lows in our October 19th survey. And now again, seeing that big jump up tells us that if you are a CIO uh, that is responding to our survey from the Global 2000, and you are either increasing or adopting Salesforce technologies or even just holding flat in this environment, you are spending more with Tableau. You are moving more of uh, your spending intentions towards Tableau. Um, and that's, you know, obviously a positive for that relationship and something that, you know, we'll, uh, we'll certainly continue to see if that, that progresses. Peter, that's why those the extremes there that you that you showed for uh, for Tableau, you know, especially last year. That do are there many instances where you see a company quarter to quarter sort of span the entire range of your of your tables? Yeah, I would say um, you know, oftentimes it does come at the heels of an M and A. It does come at the heels of a new product uh, release. Um, I think what's most interesting in terms of the analyses that we're able, that we're capable of doing at ETR is that overlapping analysis that I shared second, right? Um, you know, certainly companies can pivot their strategy, pivot their sales uh, motions, pivot their pricing. Those are things that we admittedly don't necessarily capture in the surveys, but what we are very good at capturing is, you know, that shared uh, spending intentions when you isolate users of one technology to another technology. So I think if, we, if I were to pick something that would be most impactful, it would be the shared response from those folks that are either positive or flat on Salesforce 
and how they've accelerated their spending with Tableau because at the end of the day, I'm sure that that's what Salesforce executives would like, right? So that's, um, you know, I think that, uh, well, certainly impressive the overall response to Tableau. I think the most promising thing is the relationship that it is, uh, that's coming through with the folks that have also cited Salesforce. Okay. So Peter, uh, final couple of things here. One is, um, so this uh, next week, I think we'll get the final numbers from SAP. We'll get mm-hmm. IBM and then the following week, Microsoft, Amazon and ServiceNow. Yeah. Um, what will, you know, broadly, what do you think, what will we, not specific details, but what will we learn from those things? And what will that inform people about uh, as individuals watching this, hearing your perspectives on this, try to say, gosh, you know, what are my spending intentions like relative yep. to the larger universe? Of course. I, I think that, you know, what we're going to learn from or continue to learn from these companies is a challenge for folks to move towards an increasing digital and cloud native world. Um, I think that a lot of the things that we may have heard or been inspired by to do in the past, uh, but maybe too cautious uh, to do or, you know, challenge ourselves to do. I think that that will continue to come to the forefront um, underneath the backdrop of the reality that there's just a lot of organizations that will be shutting down and no longer have IT departments. So you balance the good with the bad. Uh, I think, you know, in terms of keeping the optimism going, um, you know, things like cloud migration or an expensive move off the legacy architecture may have placed technologists out of their comfort zone in the past. Again, going back to the initial part of our discussion, I think that the COVID crisis, for better or for worse, is placing people out of their comfort zone and encouraging them to move forward with those projects, whether it be, you know, immediately or soon after uh, we hopefully make our way out of this crisis sooner or later. Um, I would say that, you know, it presents an opportunity for the entire enterprise community to embrace the negatives that may have been associated with those future uh, projects or those next generation projects to work together to uh, increase security, uh, increase uptime, as well as, uh, you know, better rationalize maybe both the time and the money spent to move towards digital, you know, completely digital architectures. Peter, uh, one of your, your fellow digital all-star monthly guests here on Cloud Wars Live, Wayne Saden, has spoken fairly regularly about the notion of technical debt. And he said, you know, very much to the points you've just been making, he said, uh, this is going to be really a, a call to action here because if a company manages somehow carrying a lot of technical debt to get through this current very tough time, uh, they had better learn that you know you got you somehow survived it once you won't survive it another time you won't just be able to able to compete in an increasingly yep. digital world where speed flexibility personal touch and all those data driven digital things you've talked about are paramount. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent. I think that you know going back to my point about a rationalization of you know emerging products or or next generation digital products, uh, specifically in the cloud, but also all that surrounds that. I think that that rationalization, you know, not even just in the CIO seat, but also in the CEO seat is going to be that much more top of mind as we make our way, especially as we make our way out of this. Um, I will share that, you know, additional theme coming out of our 
surveys, uh, we always talk about this, but effectively bifurcation. So movement away from the legacy, positive movement towards emerging technologies or the enterprise behemoths like Microsoft, like ServiceNow that have proven an ability to pivot towards the next generation enterprise. I think you're continuing to see negative spending intentions for legacy products that have not embraced the cloud uh, and then you know a movement towards those that have and to your point so about agility and the need to be a um, a, a more uh, I guess a advanced and futuristic uh, organization um, you know connectivity with customers and, and all that is demanded out of consumers today, I think that that, you know, will, that trend will continue in terms of folks moving towards those architectures. So Peter, wrapping up here, I got two requests for you. One, sure. if there's any final word or final thought you want to share. And then secondly, <laughs> please be sure to tell people how they can see the sort of work that ETR is doing or, yep. and or be in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. So again, I do want to just keep the optimism going in the enterprise landscape. I know that a lot of people are experiencing a tough time right now, and that might be a lot of which is business driven. Uh, but I do want to encourage folks to step out of their comfort zone and maybe reevaluate some of the decisions that they pushed off uh, prior to this. And I think that that's what I hear from a lot of CIOs and CISOs that I've spoken to over the course of the past two weeks. So if anything, uh, that level of un uncomfortability uh, you should know uh, to the individual person that I'm talking to that whose stomach might be turning that you're not alone. Uh, I think that there are a lot of folks in positions now um, motivated to take on tasks that they uh, necessarily that they may have put off in the past. So uh, I want to keep the optimism going and encourage um, folks to utilize all the resources that they have available to themselves. And that's not just myself or ETR, but you know, the peers that you work with around the globe, uh, folks with similar titles or similar roles, I've noticed a increased propensity for folks to rely on peer insights during this time of need because of how quickly and how, um, how abruptly things have developed here and how unprecedented the circumstances are. I think that as a team, we're much more valuable and much more intelligent than we are as one. So. Uh, that would be one thing I would do is encourage folks to leverage peer insights. Uh, and then in terms of getting in touch with myself or my organization, uh, our IT community uh, who participates in our work uh, receives free access to all of our research so they can arrange that via etr.plus or simply reaching out to myself uh, via LinkedIn. Uh, my email is also ps at etr.ai. I'm happy to share that with your listenership as well too, Bob. So it's uh, been very good to talk to you again, and I appreciate all the work that you've been putting out too around the enterprise landscape. Peter, thanks. Uh, I I'll say just before I go here this morning, the, I, I wrote something about um, with a Larry Ellison YouTube video. Um, <laughs> I believe it is the first time Larry's ever, you know, done a purpose-built um talk for YouTube, 50 seconds long, he was talking about Zoom and about yep. how Zoom has enabled, I think he said, he, it has enabled the economy to continue going. Um, yeah. So just a striking, striking thing. And anybody who feels that, uh, oh, everything will snap back to normal, uh, you know, in a month or two or three, whenever that does happen, it, it, it will snap back, but it won't be to what was before. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating new world we get into. And the big takeaway that I've taken, 
Peter, from uh, a lot of what you've talked about today is don't let the future happen to you and shape you and define you. Go out and make the future that uh, this uh, very dynamic, exciting new world is going to bring. So thank you for the insights, the data, the perspectives, and the, the, uh, the counsel on, you know, where things are going right now and, and uh, the best ways to try to move forward and uh, fight the way through this. Absolutely, Bob. And I, you know, first and foremost, wish the best for the health and safety of you, uh, your team, as well as everybody who's listening to this. So we'll make it through. And uh, I, I appreciate your time today and uh, encourage folks to reach out for reach out for any follow up. Uh, I'm happy to be of assistance. Peter, that sounds great. Thank you so much for today. Thanks to all of you. I want to echo Peter's thoughts. Be safe. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you soon.